When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, hey, didn't even see you there. Alongside Amber Wilson, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Welcome to the show. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, hit us up at any point on the show, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The road to the rematch is on as bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunez go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. College football, if you can believe it, is about anything but football these days. The season kicks off with week zero on August 27th. We almost exclusively talk about anything but those games, but the games the following week, but what's going to happen on the field. It's about two things and two things only right now. NIL, name, image, and likeness, payers, players getting paid, and conference realignment. Speaking of which, Pete Thamel from ESPN, the latest, quote, talks about a partnership between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, which had been discussed extensively the past two weeks, have officially ended, sources told ESPN. Officials from the Big 12 told Pac-12 officials on Monday that they're no longer interested in exploring the partnership, according to sources. A Big 12 source said that the deal didn't work for the conference for a multitude of reasons, which included the fact that any potential deal wouldn't have driven much revenue for the league. Quote, it just didn't work. That again, coming from Pete Thamel of ESPN. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fortenball. We're in for Greeny today. So no sweet, sweet lovemaking between the Big 12 and the Pac-12, Amber Wilson. Are you disappointed? What does it mean for the Big 12? What does it mean for the Pac-12? Because the Big 12, not exactly uh, top heavy in talent right now with Oklahoma and Texas set to depart for the SEC in a few years. Reportedly 50% of their revenue uh, set to depart for the SEC in just a couple years, but we know that what's driving all of this, and let's not forget, of course, about the departure of USC and UCLA from the Pac-12 as well. So they've got their own problems losing that Los Angeles market. Driving all of this, Joe, is those television contracts. And then reportedly, that's what's really the problem here because it seemed like an easy solution. Hey, right now, you've got major, major programs leasing, leaving your conferences. Why not collectively pool the conferences, try to come up with your own version of a super conference, which appears to be the direction the Big Ten is headed in and that the SEC is headed in. So maybe if we combine the Big 12 and the Pac-12, we can kind of compete with those two conferences or at least to a lesser extent, although the revenue is not going to be the same because of of course, the deep pockets of those programs, not quite the same, but the talks apparently stalled because the Big 12 television contract isn't set to expire as the same time here as the Pac-12 television contract. Right now, the Pac-12 is in a position to renegotiate their television contract. It's the entire reason that USC and UCLA left when they did because they can leave cleanly in a year and not have to uh, negotiate some sort of buyout for those deals. It's the same reason that with uh, Texas and Oklahoma, we're talking about them leaving right now in 2025. 
five. It costs them something like 90 million if they leave earlier. Of course, they're trying to negotiate. It seems like anyways, they're trying to negotiate a buyout there. They still may end up joining the SEC before 2025, but it'll cost them money if they do. And the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, said at SEC Media Days to, uh, yesterday that that's between those two schools and their former conference in the Big 12 because that's a buyout that those schools have to decide if they want to pony up in order for an early departure. And of course, that's probably downplaying the SEC's role there because I'm sure Texas and Oklahoma are asking the SEC to help them a bit with that bill if they were going to join early. But basically, all of this comes down to television rights. And so the Pac-12 is saying, hey, Big 12, we don't want to wait for you to be able to negotiate a new deal. The Big 12 can't negotiate a new deal until 2024, I believe it is, when they can start negotiating. So the Pac-12 just doesn't want to be that patient. I'm not sure I believe it's still over, though, because these two conferences have a big problem here, Joe. And again, how much of their revenue just departed both of these conferences? And how much are you going to make up with the schools that are remaining in your conferences when you renegotiate a new deal? There's only so much television networks are going to be willing to pay. Yeah, I think there's two reasons, two key reasons here why this isn't getting done. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 merging. Number one, if you're the Big 12, it's not really much of an incentive. Why merge with them and help them out when you can just steal what you want? Like, you don't need to sit there and say, all right, Pac-12, we'll bring you into the fold. We're going to help you out. We'll merge and we'll form a super conference that can compete. Why? Why Why do that? You don't need to do that. You can just go pick off teams like Utah if you want to grab them, and you can bring them into your fold without bringing the rest to the table. And that leads to point number two, which is perhaps more important. Say what you will about Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12. It hurts immensely. But football is still very important in that part of the country. Even if it's a small market like Iowa State, Ames, if it's TCU, whatever it may be, Stillwater with Oklahoma State, football still matters. Pac-12 football does not matter to anybody in the Pac-12. And people aren't going to want to hear that because there's a random diehard Pac-12 fan there. I did radio in the Bay Area for six years. It was a death sentence to talk about Cal or Stanford. It was a death sentence to even talk about college football in general. We had the national championship there a few years ago, Alabama and Clemson. It was at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. Clemson rolled Alabama in that game. Nobody cared. You could go to the national championship for like 40 bucks. That would never happen in Atlanta, Georgia. It would never happen Mm -hmm. in Miami, Florida. It would never happen in the hotbed of where college football resides. People in the Pac-12 do not care about Pac-12 football. I know USC and UCLA are big for their market in Los Angeles, but where do they rank in the hierarchy down there? People don't even care about pro football down there. And those are the two marquee teams. Like in Salt Lake City, is Utah football big? Eh, probably not to the extent Georgia football is in Athens. And Athens is a lot smaller than Salt Lake City. So if you're the Mm -hmm. Big 12, why get in in business with the Pac-12? People there don't even care about it, number one. And number two you can just steal the teams you want anyway, right? Like, why would you bring all of them into the fold and do them that favor? Well, so that is a component of this story where the Big 12 is looking at the schools like Arizona and Arizona State, Utah, as you mentioned, Colorado, and and reportedly are looking at just poaching them. And so the Pac-12 might find itself in a position where it's just warding off more poaching, which is what's happening with all of these conferences. I just don't know, though, what happens there in terms of the television deal. Like, what is so much more attractive about whatever the Big 12 has coming than what maybe the Pac-12 has coming and so should the Pac-12 also be considering this because it seems like the Pac-12 right now is the one that doesn't want to wait for the Big 12 in order to be able to negotiate a television contract and so it seems like both conferences 
are not so interested in merging. And I just wonder if they're both going to end up getting left behind or if we're in a situation where they're both going to end up getting dissolved because they don't move when it's clearly a very rapidly changing landscape in college football. What seems clear at this point, though, Joe, with all of this, with the television rights and everything else, and this is really complicated because we could get into a conversation about the ACC. Their television deal runs till 2036. So that's a huge problem when you're talking about conference realignment. But we've heard about some of these schools like the Florida States and Miami of the world being really attractive to a Big Ten or an SEC type super conference. But what seems really clear here is that we are headed towards some degree of super conference. Now, I don't know. I think what originally when we were talking about the concept of super conference, it seemed like it would be like one huge conference. And it doesn't feel like that's where we're going with the power right now of the Big Ten and the SEC. But it does feel like with conference realignment, we are not just talking about these four schools that are realigning here over the next couple of years. It feels like the entire system is getting some massive shakeup here. Yeah, it's the inevitable. Big Ten is going to be the AFC. The SEC is going to be the NFC. Mm-hmm. And Anybody else who wants in is basically going to be the USFL or the XFL. And we'll watch you. You'll get some attention. You'll play in some bowl games, and you might have an outside chance of finding your way into the playoff. But make no mistake about it, once the Big Ten and the SEC fully arm up, they're not going to be interested in watching anyone else from the outside get into the four-team playoff. They're going to politic it the way they need to politic it, and they're going to get their four teams in, and you're going to be left to try to figure out how to have some sort of ancillary playoff or ancillary championship. That is exactly where we're heading. I'm going to tell you something. Nothing gets me excited about college football season and Notre Dame traveling to Columbus to take on Ohio State in week one, like talking about NIL and TV markets. And that's pure sarcasm right there because I can't wait (laughs) until we actually start breaking down games from a college football perspective. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fornball. We're in for Greeny today. Coming up, we're going to hear from Nick Saban about his concerns with NIL moving forward. But first, this from ZipRecruiter. Let's talk more NIL. Talk more NIL. Yeah, let's keep it going. Are you excited to travel this summer? Have you ever thought about all the people that make a vacation truly great? Like the chef at that world-class restaurant or the tour guide with great stories? You know, if you're hiring, you can find great people like these for your roles at ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds the right candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate Within the first day, try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greenie. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Greenie. ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days. An in-depth preview of every team in the National Football League. Two teams every day as we storm towards training camp. NFL Two-A-Days continues on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Alongside Amber Wilson, I'm Joe Fortenball. We're filling in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster only set to join the show in about 12 minutes, but for right now, SEC Media Days are in full swing, and the king of the SEC, Alabama head coach Nick Saban, met with the media today. He had some interesting thoughts regarding his concerns with NIL, name, image, and likeness, moving forward. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're, we're one of the halves, but everybody in college football cannot uh, do these things relative to uh, how they raise money in a collective or whatever and how they distribute money to players. Um, so um, those are the concerns that I have in terms of, you know, how do we place guidelines uh, around this uh, so that, uh, we, we can maintain a competitive balance. There, there is no competitive sport anywhere that doesn't have guidelines on um, how they maintain some kind of competitive balance. And um, I think that's important to college football. I think it's important to fans. Uh, that's why they have rules in the NFL where you have a salary cap. Um, you have um, a difficult schedule. If you have a successful season, you draft later. Um, if you have a successful season, you draft early. If you have um, um, an unsuccessful season, and all these things are created so that there is competitive balance. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. That's Nick Saban speaking to the media regarding NIL. Amber Wilson, does it surprise you that the guy who has dominated college football for as long as Nick Saban has is the one that's out there preaching competitive balance? It's funny coming from him, right? Consider the source of competitive balance. I think most people would argue that uh, the competitive balance, so to speak, has been tipped very strongly in Alabama's favor for quite some time now. But it doesn't surprise me that at 70 years old, which is what Nick Saban is remarkably, that he wouldn't want to kind of learn to do it a different way or he wouldn't want the tables to turn on him in any way. And that is what is happening here, Joe, where and I don't blame him for 
for having a bit of an issue with it. Now, we discussed earlier in the show some of the issues generally with NIL. They extend far beyond just Nick Saban. It is the wild, wild west there, and there's a multitude of reasons why that's incredibly problematic, that there is no overarching rules, no overarching body. There's really nobody regulating things, so states are trying to regulate it through their legislatures, universities individually through their bylaws, and it's a complete mess because absolutely some schools are at competitive disadvantages over others. And yes, right now the kids are benefiting, but there's problems there as well. There's no governing body to make sure that there's, for example, certified agents. You don't have to be a certified agent. It ain't like the NFL being an agent there. It's the wild, wild west. Who's signing up? How much a portion percentage of these contracts are agents or lawyers allowed to take? So there's a lot of minutia. Some of it actually could be harmful to the students themselves, Joe. But I think where Nick Saban is coming from is a place of just personal frustration with, yes, that is the case for everybody, but also look at the advantage he has had. Saban doesn't have to recruit at 70 years old. Alabama recruits itself at this point, Joe, right? Like, I mean, what do they do to recruit? They walk in and they say, hey, we're Alabama, come to us. And then uh, the 90% of the kids say, cool, sounds like a good idea. And Nick Saban just puts the national championship rings in front of recruits. Well, that landscape has changed because of NIL, because of booster collectives, because now money is involved. And so Nick Saban's job just got a lot harder at 70 years old. And I don't blame him when you are on top when you are the top of the top at 70 not wanting your job to get harder yeah Saban's lost his recruiting edge here and his recruiting edge has always been his ability to go into a recruits home sit down with him and talk about a variety of things but ultimately Saban could promise something that no one else could and that was big money the problem now is it's not big money in the immediate short term it's long-term money And what I mean by that is Saban could sit you down and say, look, you come to Alabama, we're going to get you on national TV more often than any other school. Every Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be playing the nationally televised game. Every year, we are going to be in the SEC championship game. Every year, we are going to be in the college football playoff, and that means one, if not two more opportunities to get in front of everyone. We produce more first-round picks than anybody. If you come to Alabama... You're going to get more exposure. You're going to get more of a look, more of an opportunity to go in the first round and more of an opportunity to make big money. And that's the edge going there over Texas, going there over Texas A&M, over Miami, over Georgia. Now that everyone else can come to a recruit and say, forget about that. We can just give you the money now. What's the point in making the four-year, three-year investment at Alabama to eventually get paid when you can get the cash now? And that's exactly why Saban is talking about NIL needing to be more competitive or the competitive balance returning to college football because he wants his imbalance to return, Mm -hmm. which is the ability to sell more money to recruits down the line. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fortenball. We're in for Greeny today. Coming up, can we expect Derby winner Juan Soto to be traded before this month's deadline? But first, a word from Cheerios. Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app presented by Cheerios. If you're on the go, you might be skipping eating the healthy way, which is probably making you feel a bit more sluggish these days. Well, as a reminder, you can fuel life's special moments with heart-healthy Honey Nut Cheerios. Made with whole grains and low in fat, Cheerios also provides 12 essential vitamins and minerals. So pour your heart into today. It's oh so important. Pick up a box of Honey Nut Cheerios today at your local grocery store. Buster Only coming up next. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Amber Wilson, I'm Joe Fortenball. We're filling in for Greeny here on ESPN Radio. Juan Soto wins the home run derby in Los Angeles last night, defeating Seattle Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez. Soto, just a few days prior to winning the home run derby, turned down $440 million fully guaranteed from the Washington Nationals with the Nationals eventually realizing, look, if we're not going to give him what he wants, he's going to turn down the money. We are going to open up discussions regarding trading for the 23-year-old Juan Soto, who's already got one World Series under his belt. Amber, you, if you said are the 440 new... with pain on your face, because I think for the rest of us, it is painful to imagine turning down 440 guaranteed dollars, especially at 23 years old. Goodness. I would commit to 15 years with the nationals for 440 bucks. Like I do that right <laughs> now. And I try to go make some money in endorsements, but 440 million, he turns it down. If you are a New York Mets fan, how excited are you after watching last night's home run derby, where every time Soto wasn't mashing homers, he was being hugged up on by New York's own Starling Marte. Like at every turn, rubbing his shoulders, hyping him up, bringing him Gatorade, everything he needed, Starling Marte was there. You think he was recruiting him to try to bring him over to the dark side? Well, I think that's what the Mets fan wants to think, right? Uh, now, apparently, there's a history here between these two players as friends, but we're not going to let facts get in the way of a good story here Joe and everybody right now is wondering where Juan Soto is going to end up playing baseball in just a few weeks what uniform is he going to be in I think Mets fans would love to see him in their uniform particularly coming off of this home run derby the problem is that the asking price for Juan Soto in a trade is already going to be astronomically high and then if you're the Mets you're going to be playing a division or paying a division premium on top of that so what does that deal look like now the Mets have the talent they have the win now ambitions. So it makes sense from that perspective. They could pull it off. My concern here is how astronomical the offer would have to be for them to trade him within the division. And of course, Starling Marte doesn't care about that. The players don't care about that. They're not controlling the front office. They're not thinking about those sorts of ramifications, but that's the reality of it. It's not going to be an easy deal to get done. For those who are talking about, don't give up the prospects. You don't want to give up the farm. Why not? Soto's 23. If he's 29 or 30 and you're going to sign him to a 10-year deal into his 40s and you have to give up your farm system, I understand. But he's 23 years old. He's not even in his prime and he's already an absolute beast. Plus, your owner, Steve Cohen, is worth like $18 billion. You think he wants to play second fiddle to the New York Yankees forever? This is the team that has to make the move. But you're right. The asking price on behalf of the Washington Nationals is going to be quite a lot to move him in division. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Huge blast by Soto. Your derby champion as he chucks the bat high into the air. <laughs> Everyone in baseball is talking about your future. Wow. Uh, the number is astronomical. But when you look at the details, he's banking on bigger deals coming down the road. I mean, this deserves a full auction. It deserves to hear everybody kind of bid the thing up a little bit. Past the headline, you have to realize he has two more years of club control. Right now, I'm not even thinking about it. I think I'm, I'm a champion and I will be a champion for the national. Alongside Amber Wilson, I'm Joe Fortenball. We're filling in for Greeny here on ESPN Radio. Juan Soto is your 2022 Home Run Derby champion after defeating Seattle Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez. Let's go to the phones for more ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney joining us here on Greeny. Buster, thank you for the time as always. We appreciate it. Juan Soto wins the Home Run Derby last night, but all eyes now are on what happens next for Soto and his career. Turns down $440 million from the Nationals. Could he be moved by this year's trade deadline? What would a deal look like? Who would be the top contenders to land him? Yeah, and Joe, they, there's no doubt that the next two weeks, this will be the most talked about story in baseball. All eyes will be on the Nationals. All eyes will be on Juan Soto. Uh, I spent a lot of time yesterday talking with executives from other teams, and what I got back was there's a perception that Soto is going to get traded, that the Nationals are incentivized, incentive, uh, have incentive at this point to move him, in part because of their ownership transfer. Uh, the the team has been up for sale, and uh, one source told me that the incoming owners have made it clear they want this situation resolved one way or the other. Either they want him signed, and as you mentioned, they offered him the $440 million. It would be a record-setting deal over 15 years, or they want him uh, traded because if you're an incoming owner, you don't want that to be the first move on your uh, time running the team, trading a superstar player at age 23, his generations, Ted Williams. Uh, the Nationals are looking for major league ready players, and that, of course, is uh, going to be an extremely high price for any number of teams. Uh, the Padres are viewed as being very motivated in terms of where they are now and trying to win. Can you imagine a, a top of the lineup that would be Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto and Manny Machado? Oof. That would be fun. The Cardinals are loaded with major league ready players. They have a bunch of uh, guys now that they could look at in their major league roster to begin to structure some sort of a deal. Can you imagine Juan Soto hitting between Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado? How much fun would that be? We have the usual suspects, the Dodgers and the Yankees. From what I understand from those two teams, there would be a lot of concern, maybe in a way that the Padres wouldn't be worried about, uh, about getting Soto locked up to a long-term deal or understanding uh, as they make that move because they don't want to give up a boatload of prospects in order to make a deal. Uh, the Yankees at the moment are concerned about Aaron Judge. That's first on the radar. I My gut instinct is that the Dodgers or Yankees would not make that move. 
And I heard you mention the Mets. Uh, strong perception is the Nationals are not going to deliver uh, a 23-year-old superstar player to the Mets in their division. It would be like the Red Sox trading a young Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> and the same thing goes with the Braves. They're not uh, not going to necessarily deliver to the Braves. The Giants have a ton of payroll flexibility. Uh, the Texas Rangers seem to have this burgeoning relationship with uh, Scott Boris, who's Soto's agent. You know, who they signed last winter, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager. They just drafted Kamar Rocker. So we'll see. But as I say, the early perception, as teams begin to focus on this, is that the Nationals are going to move him before the August 2nd deadline. So no shortage of suitors, Buster, for Juan Soto. Uh, Even some of those teams probably making phone calls, uh, even if they're pointless within the NL East. But we'll know if he's getting dealt by that August 2nd trade deadline. What was really the problem here, though, between Soto and the Nationals? I mean, we talk about $440 It's hard for any of us out on the outside, obviously, to even conceive of that number. Largest deal in Major League Baseball history. But does it just come down to the fact that Soto wants a shorter deal or a bigger per annual? Well, one, I think, um, you know, uh, from the team perspective, it is the question of, you know, do you want this hanging over the team going into the future, into the ownership's new time? Uh, and that's – keep on getting that back, that the, the new ownership, which, you know, the, I think uh, Major League Baseball hopes to be in place by the end of the year, they just don't want to have to deal with this because it's not a great way to start off your relationship with a fan base by moving him. And that's why the timeline might be pushed up sooner than or what Mike Rizzo, their general manager, thought earlier in the year when he declared that they weren't trading Juan Soto. That obviously changed. And I think from Soto's perspective, if you turn down a $440 million deal, it might simply be that you'd prefer to play in another place, in another market, uh, where you have a more consistent chance to win. Obviously, the Nationals won the World Series a few years ago. But let's face it, they don't have the potential in terms of payroll that the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, the Mets, the Phillies, et cetera. And maybe Soto just prefers to be in one of those places versus what you know is typically in terms of how they conduct a business, the Nationals, basically an, uh, an upper-middle-class team. ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney joining us here on Greeny. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fortenball. The individual that Juan Soto beat in last night's home run derby – Julio Rodriguez, the rookie sensation from the Seattle Mariners. Baseball, more than any other major sport in this country, very regionalized. So I think for a lot of fans, this may have been the first real introduction they got to Julio Rodriguez. How special is this kid? Yeah, so it wasn't only an introduction to, you know, casual baseball fans. It was introduction to other baseball players. During Julio Rodriguez's first round, he took a break, and Mookie Betts, uh, was walking behind home plate holding his daughter, and he stopped and chatted with Rodriguez and said, hey, just keep it going. And I stopped Mookie right after that as he's passing by, and I said, what would you say to him? And he, he related that, and then Mookie looked at me and said, this is the first time I've seen him, seen him in person. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and because he, he is just unbelievably athletic, and he's huge. And so that all played out last night. Look, Pete Alonso to me, is one of the great derby champions of all time. And when you watch him swing a bat, the power is just so easy. But with Julio Rodriguez, there's an athleticism that's mixed in there along with a power that's just staggering. Uh, and for, to see him you know, right out of the gate announce his presence with authority with those 32 home runs in the first round, 
you're thinking, yeah, this is a guy who's likely to win Rookie of the Year this year, and when the Derby's in Seattle next year, he'll be the grand host. He'll be his generation's Ken Griffey Jr. So some people found out who Julio Rodriguez was last night from watching the Home Run Derby, and Buster, Aaron Judge decided not to participate in the Home Run Derby. We have a lot of conversations about, is Aaron Judge the face of baseball? Is he the next face of baseball? And there was some conjecture around that conversation of, hey, if he participates in the Home Run Derby, it would help. It would help elevate these stars in baseball generally, even though Aaron Judge already a large name in the sport, of course. What do you make buster of Aaron judge deciding not to participate in some of these superstars generally. I mean, there was still star power last night, but there are some notable names missing like Shohei Otani as well. Yeah. And Amber, I, you know, I, it was funny a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was going to be the greatest uh, derby field that we've ever seen. Cause we were hearing that Otani was likely to be in it and Stanton was likely to be in it. Uh, and those two backed out. It was still a really good field when you get Pete Alonso and, and Soto uh, Albert Pujols, uh, but Judge was never going to be in it. You know, he won it in 2017 uh, down in Miami, and he hurt his shoulder during the course of that event. And I remember talking to him the next spring when fans were be, or, uh, reporters were beginning to ask him if he was going to go back, and he was like, no. And, and then I got him alone to the side, and he goes, you know what, I've already won it. I've already done that. And I do think that, you know, the fact that he got injured in that event uh, ended any chance moving forward that he was going to do that. Players are concerned about, you know, if they're going to, through that exhausting uh, four-minute uh, or three-minute rounds of swings, if they're going to swing in a way that they're not accustomed to and, and potentially get injured, which is why some of the players privately, you know, have liked the idea of doing a sort of a tag team home run derby. I don't know if we'll see that, but, uh, you know, guys like Judge, uh, are, are not going to participate if they're worried about injury. You know, Buster, before we say goodbye, Amber mentioned Shohei Otani's name. Uh, the Angels, again, woefully underperforming based on expectations, 39-53 yep. and 53 at the break. I know there's some wild speculation out there, but we might as well turn to you on this. Is there any chance he could be traded? This is what I've been told. There's no chance that Otani gets traded before the August 2nd deadline. Uh, early in the offseason, the Angels will approach him about an extension because he's, of course, uh, you know, year and a couple months away from free agency. And if they he doesn't agree to something, and let's face it, his contract annual salary would start with the number five, probably fifty million dollars plus a year. Uh, if he if he doesn't agree to a deal, folks with other teams say that's when the Angels should say we're going to try to flip him and get some prospects for him rather than wait till next summer to do that. But everybody I've talked to knows Artie Moreno, the Angels owner, says he will never do that. Uh, you know, he tends to be the, the, the last person who wants to blow up anything. And so he will wait. And I suspect that if the Angels, again, have a frustrating season, they don't get Trout and Otani on a trajectory to get into the postseason, that uh, next summer uh, our trade conversation is going to be around Shohei Otani. ESPN MLB insider Buster only delivering the goods as always. Buster, we appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Good to talk with you. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Here to help you score big savings to see how much you can save on auto insurance, visit Progressive.com. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Joe Fortenball. We're filling in for Greeny today. Mike Trout has been compared to Mickey Mantle. Shohei Otani has been compared to Babe Ruth, given that he's able to pitch as well as hit. The Angels somehow have the modern-day incarnation mm -hmm. of Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth, 
and they are 14 games <laughs> under 500 at the break, 20 and a half games out of first place in the division, yep. and sitting behind the Texas Rangers of all teams. But they do have two more wins than the Detroit Tigers. Like, how much of a joke is that franchise to have that much talent? And not just this year blow it, but blow it every single year. They're not even competitive, Amber. It's remarkable. I, I don't even know how you explain it. And hopefully people who are much more knowledgeable about these things can help us out in explaining it because it defies explanation as far as I'm concerned. It's like you look at Trout and you're like, oh, if only they had one other superstar player. you know. And that's like, oh, you look at Otani and you're like, oh, hey, wait. Uh, they don't just have another superstar that they were able to acquire. He's like, you know, maybe the greatest player that we've ever seen in our entire lifetimes with the skill set because he's doing things that haven't been done since maybe Babe Ruth, since maybe the 70s, depending who you're talking about. It is remarkable for them to be in a position to, frankly, be seemingly wasting that talent. Now, I know those guys are still getting paid. I know they're out there still doing their jobs. They're out there still getting to play baseball. There's all of that. That's a factor, right? But it just feels like, man, wouldn't you? I mean, imagine what it would look like on a contender. It would just be so fun to watch night in and night out, and we're just not getting any of that. I mean, you have the modern-day version of Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth, and you still suck so bad. So you bad. have the same amount of wins as the Pittsburgh Pirates. You have one less win than the Arizona Diamondbacks and seven less wins than the Baltimore Orioles. Let me say that again. You have the modern-day version of Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth on your roster, and you're tied with Pittsburgh, one game back of Arizona, and seven wins fewer than Baltimore. How is now, that I do, possible? I, I don't know, but I do laugh a little bit because people are like, oh, we need to save these guys, right? Like, we right. have to save yeah. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, saving might be overstating it. They are, you know, living in Los Angeles. They are, again, making millions of dollars. They are playing a game for a living that they love playing. So, saving might be overstating but I think and I don't know how frustrated they are by it I think all of us on the outside looking in it's just so frustrating to not get to witness the greatness night and night out frankly because it's totally irrelevant what they're doing and we know the greatness exists it's just irrelevant on that roster there's no star player in sports absolute star player in sports that catches less flack for his team not doing anything than Mike Trout and I get it because it's baseball. You're only going to come up to the plate maybe once every three innings. There's only so much you can do defensively if they're not hitting it your way. You only have so much of an impact on that game versus a quarterback, versus a point guard, versus a goaltender. I get it. But at the same time, Mike Trout is in an incredible situation where his team can never go anywhere. He can get paid elite top dollar, mm -hmm. and no one is ever going to say anything. Now, that's not to suggest it's his fault, but imagine that. Like, there are NFL quarterbacks that get destroyed for their teams not delivering, even though the offense might be top five, but it's the defense that stinks, or it's the coaching staff that stinks. Like, we take every chance we can to go after Kevin Durant for not winning. It's not like Kevin Durant can't play, right? Kevin Durant is possibly the greatest offensive scorer of all time. I don't know why I said it like that. There's no such thing as a defensive score, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. But like we will attack NBA players at every turn if they cannot deliver. Chris Paul's inability to win a title is just holding him down. Yet Mike Trout, nothing.
And I'm not saying he deserves it. It's just such a different dynamic in Major League Baseball versus everything he, else. He does skate, and part of that is certainly the sport. But I guess if we're likening it to the NFL, I mean, does Aaron Rodgers get some of that? Because with Trout, you're talking about, what, a three-time MVP in Trout, just 30 years old, still in his prime, still obviously playing at the highest clip. With Aaron Rodgers, an older quarterback, but a back-to-back MVP now, and still playing at the absolute highest caliber of his game and yet it's not producing the Super Bowls at the rate that we would expect now more success sure than the Angels but it's not producing the suit it's been a long time since we've seen Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl Joe so is that maybe the comparison there because what's interesting about the Aaron Rodgers conversation nobody questions his greatness and it's the same thing with Trout and, it, and it's going to be the same thing with Otani like nobody questions their greatness they kind of get a pass it's everybody else's problem Trout's biggest weapon in terms of not catching any heat for any of this is that he plays somewhere where the East Coast is never watching him. Like, no one on the East Coast is staying up late to watch Angels games on a Tuesday night. The Angels right. aren't even the most popular team in their area. It's clearly the Dodgers. The Padres just south of them are becoming more popular. So you have all these mechanisms that are built in to where criticism's not going to hurt you. It's not going to get to you. Like, criticism's not going to reach him. You can blame management. You can blame ownership. You can blame the other players. You're not really in the spotlight as much. Conversely, with Rodgers, you can put together such an elite run of two years like he just did. Win the MVP both times with no one doubting whether or not you deserve it. But a playoff loss to the 49ers in which you generated what? I think it was like six total points. Mm -hmm. That is going to get everyone coming at you. And part of that is because Rodgers is an NFL quarterback. And part of that is Rodgers has made it clear he has no problem being a lightning rod for criticism. Like he's going to be out there saying things that make him a lightning rod. So people who are looking just to tear other people who are successful down will go right at Rodgers before they go at Trout because Trout doesn't give him that ammunition. Well, I don't think the trout subject is just as passionate for people. And part of that is right. that we know NFL is king. So that's part of it. There's just not as much in terms of opinion around Mike Trout generally. And then, like you mentioned, the East Coast baseball coast is not even having the opportunity to watch Mike Trout each and every night. So it's probably hard to get incredibly passionate over what's happening out there with the Los Angeles Angels. But I don't agree with you completely about the criticism of Aaron Rodgers because I have felt like Aaron Rodgers gets a bit of a pass. Now, I understand that we do pile on Aaron Rodgers when it comes to tattoos or some of the things he says or some of the things he does, right? Uh, that's become sort of trendy over the last few years. But what I mean about him getting a pass is that nobody questions the greatness. And that's unusual. We do do that to most players, I feel like, particularly in basketball. I mean, there was, those, we did it with LeBron for years, which was so yeah. insane before he won a championship in Miami, right? Like most players, we do this when there's a lack of, of championships matching what we know the production is we'll actually even question how great is that player really and I don't feel like we do that with Aaron Rodgers like we're all sitting there knowing that he's great most people say oh you know the best quarterback or second best quarterback to maybe Brady of this generation and nobody really questions it even with just the one Super Bowl and so in that sense I think he gets a little bit of a pass although yes he's become more of a topic over the last couple of years well the basketball uh, debates have taken on what used to be the baseball debates. Baseball was all about stats. It was very easy to compare players. So you could sit there and say, well, this guy's not as great as Mickey Mantle because. And then you would talk about the fact that Mantle played less games per season than perhaps some of the modern day guys did, or they faced different types of pitching. But there was always a pretty easy way to compare the generations. Then the steroid era happened and it blew all the stats out of the water. Now there's this area of the this era of the three true outcomes where it's either a home run, 
a walk or a strikeout and nothing else matters. Guys don't steal anymore. It's all about analytics. Starting pitchers aren't working deep into games. They're not going to face a rotation or a lineup for the third time because obviously the numbers show that your effectiveness is going to wane. So we can't compare those guys like we used to. That's what basketball's become. Basketball is all about taking LeBron and then pitting him against Jordan, taking Durant and pitting him against Steph Curry and trying to figure out where these guys rank all time. It's every discussion. I've got first take on right here and one of their conversations 10 minutes ago was where does Steph Curry rank all time? And that's going to be a major talking <laughs> it's July. point. Right. It's going to be all over the place. Exactly. Happy July. This is what we're discussing. And then in football, it's really just about finding ways to tear everybody down because it feels like no, even Tom Brady, who has made, think about what Tom Brady needed to do to blow past Joe Montana to get to a point where everybody finally stopped trying to argue him. Like you had to basically go to a Super Bowl every other year of your career. You had to win five more than Montana. I know that's an exaggeration, but you needed to blow everything out of the water before people were finally like, all right, we get it. Brady's the GOAT. Like, I, think that's it's what so, I think it's so interesting you mentioned the steroid era there because I do wonder. We love comparisons, but I do yes. wonder if that kind of messed everything up because that's the generation that we'd be comparing these guys to. When you're comparing Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth, frankly, it doesn't mean anything to any of us, right? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't. Re- if you want to bring people into baseball, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if that's the way, Joe. None of us saw Babe Ruth play baseball. And I understand that means something to true baseball heads, but that's a hard comparison it's much easier to compare Jordan to LeBron than it is to compare Babe Ruth since none of us were around for any of it as always it has been an absolute pleasure working with you you are Amber Wilson I'm Joe Fortenball we've been filling in for Greeny here on ESPN radio thank you so much for listening Barton Hahn on ESPN radio and ESPN app are coming up next Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. The great Diana Rossini. I die. What's up, Diana? Max, it took you 22 years since Y2K, and you still haven't come back, so <laughs> thanks, guys. This and more, Wednesday morning at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2.